0: Welcome to The Skinny, which airs Fridays from 11 a.m. to noon here on WMNF Tampa 88.5 FM. My name is Ray Rowe. I'm the editor-in-chief at Creative Loafing Tampa Bay, joined by independent journalists. And past Pulitzer finalist, Ben Montgomery. Good morning, Ben. How are you?
1: Hey, doing great, Ray. Thanks.
0: Good. Congratulations on the graduation of um, the early graduation of your uh, of your daughter, Mo. Hey, thanks so much. Proud, proud of Mo. Um, and it was good to see Asher the, Asher in
1: town, too. And uh, all the graduates. Lots, yes. of, lots of kids graduating. Lots of
0: graduates. Congrats to all the parents on the last day of school. Our other co-host is also <laughs> on vacation. Mitch Perry of the Floor of Phoenix is um, off in California at Bottle Rock Festival in Napa, listening to music and, and drinking wine. And speaking of drinking, we're just going to dive in today. Um, not drinking, but because we're talking <laughs> about the latest season of change um, in Ybor City. We have an absolutely packed show with guests Tom DeGeorge, owner of Crowbar, who will join us later in the show to close it out, and Manny Leto, uh, current executive director of Preserve the Berg, a multi-generational tempeño who will be here in the middle um, of the program. But first, we welcome a guy whose name has been in the news a lot, Uh, Last week, we talked a little bit about Daryl Shaw's plans to bring a women's pro soccer team to Tampa and his wish to build a 5,000-seat stadium in town, preferably in Ybor City. Um, He's also got plans for Ybor Harbor, recently broke ground on the Gasworks development. His Crest building is currently home to the Crest Collective of Art Studios um, and even has a micro theater um, in there. Shaw, he has more than two dozen parcels in Ybor City um, that he outright owns or is in a partnership to develop and has said that he would like to see Ebor's 3,000 residents grow to 10,000. Um, on the flip side of that, he's also been somewhat cr- uh, critical or confounded by the ratio of tattoo shops, clubs, and late-night alcohol spots to the other businesses there. Daryl, thank you for joining us. Are, are you there?
2: Ray, Good morning.
0: Thanks for having me. So how much of that did I mess up, and, and, and what did I leave out of, of your vision there, Daryl?
2: Oh, I think you described it really well. I think the vision is um, ultimately a livable district with a lot more people living in the district. They got a chance to, to go out, walk their dogs, go to the gym and um, go to the store and um, go go to entertainment. So that that's a vision. It's also um, looking at filling in the nomads land right now that exists between the historic district and channel side and uh, the central business district. Um, and in a way in which we're bringing walkability, green space, Ybor's Gritty, which is great, but um, can utilize more green space. Bike paths, pedestrian paths, really a, a, a thoughtful approach to, to helping populate the district.
0: Okay, and even, and even this morning you were out, I saw you were out uh, over at Sky Puppy Brewing uh, with a good friend of mine, Matthew, one of the best brewers in Tampa who's been working on a brewery there out of the old historic firehouse for a really long time, really essentially since New World Brewery closed.
2: We're excited about Matthew um, opening
0: up. Um, So let me ask you a question here. Uh, You said there's a lot more uh, that the neighborhood can be. You alluded to that, and and there is a place for nightlife and entertainment there. Um, There's also been several pushes to enact stricter noise ordinances there. Um, Some recently have failed. I'm sure they'll come up again. Um, It happens all the time, right? Folks move into entertainment districts, and then they start to kind of – get a little annoyed with noise and, and things like that because it's loud. How much do you worry about the mix of residential and retail, uh, maybe eventually forcing out some nightclubs over a desire to to keep the district quiet? How much do you think about that?
2: I, I don't know that I focus as much on keeping it quiet. I think the people who move to the area want to be in the mixed use environment. And so I, I think, you know, whether it's the nightclubs or the bars or um, the restaurants, I, I, I don't, Think there's anything wrong with them at all? Um, what we're looking to do is um, have a healthy balance um, and, uh, and and activate the district. So there's a lot great about Ebor, and we're looking to enhance that,
1: not take away something. Seems to me like if someone pays, uh, what are rooms going for at Hotel Haya right now? Uh, say, I don't know. I didn't look it up. Daryl, do you know? I, I know that if somebody that you- pays uh, two hundred and fifty dollars a night for a room at Hotel High, let's say, Daryl, don't they expect a sort of quiet, peaceful night? Something um, you know, in keeping with relaxation and so forth. And isn't that sort of in conflict with what Ebor is right now?
2: I think if you come into an urban core and you come into a mixed-use district, um, there is an expectation that it's not going to be the suburbs. Mm. It's not going to be perfectly quiet. Um, but I would say we would like to see in the next evolution of Ebor, more restaurants in the district. I, I think that's the, the next step in, in its evolution. Um, so when we think through, you know, when we think through the evolution, uh, you know, Hotel Haya was a parking lot. Uh, parking lots on 7th Avenue are like gaps in the teeth. And so activating it with a venue where people can come, whether it's to stay in the hotel Visit, you know, visit the nightclubs, visit a music event, visit the restaurants um, or have an event there themselves. I, I think that's help, helpful. It's part of the growth and evolution of the district.
0: I, I wasn't planning on asking you this question, but you mentioned uh, the parking lot Daryl. Can you I mean, you have a coalition with a lot of different people. You're working with a lot of, a lot of well, different people down there. You mentioned the parking lots. What have your conversations been like with the Icardi's as, as, as you know, since they do hold a lot of parking lots um, around the city?
2: Well, I think parking is essential. I had people coming into the district. Now, hopefully, over time, that changes, we get better transportation. Um, you know, maybe you end up with more Uber type uh, vehicles. But right now, people come to the district, there's not that many living here. So there is a need for parking. Um I, w- I would say though, people come, they visualize 7th Avenue and having parking on 7th isn't isn't helpful. Um, it's not it's not the ideal construct.
0: And, um, you know, your name is like the latest name, um, uh, to be discussed in, in this changing of Ebor. But a lot something that a lot of people don't know about you is that you've actually been around for a long time, bought your first property there a long time ago. And you know just to piggyback on some of the other questions, you've seen Ebor change a lot too. There have been businesses and people who've had to move out of the district, some related to your endeavors, some not. You know, I'm thinking about Tampa Park Apartments. I'm thinking about New World Brewery. Uh, more recently, Revolve or the Ebor Art Colony. What do you say to people and business people who've had to find a home elsewhere since you and others uh, started working on your vision for the neighborhood.
2: Yeah. Well, I, I can certainly speak to him and, and there's an inherent evolution that will take place and some businesses will come and go. And if you take those and Tampa park apartments was in over you know, 50, more than 50 year old apartment complex. It had been sale for sale for a couple of years. And um, before I purchased it, it was market rate rental, uh, and had been, um, for a while when i purchased it um, and it, it was in a condition where it wasn't sustainable and so it was going to close one way or the other and so i i worked very closely with the uh the residents there we brought in a, a lady named tori boyd who was amazing she met uh, she had her team on site for months met with every resident we helped uh, um, work with them to find another location We paid uh, for movers, we gave them funds to help put down payment, um, you know, on on a new place and found and so we we worked with them really closely. Um, That was an apartment complex that was going to close down. you know in terms of uh, other activations what was some of the others that you mentioned right no,
0: I'm, I'm just wondering you know how much you think about those people as as they move and then you kind of spoke to the evolution um you know like the Ybor art colony some of these are involved with with your endeavors and some of them um, are not. If you're just joining us right now, this is the skinny on WMF Tampa. The voice you're hearing on the other side is Daryl Shaw, a developer who has a, a grand vision for Ebor, which is well underway with the groundbreaking of uh, Gasworks. His Crest Collective is is, is very active. Um, and Daryl, I know we only have you for like five more minutes, and I really appreciate you coming on and pushing some meetings back. I, want, I wanted to ask you. Um, about Ybor and specifically about independent live music. It's, it's something that's on a lot of people's minds. They're used to it uh, down in Ybor City. Um, me and myself, I started out as music editor down at Creative Loafing. Uh, when I first became a staffer. So, you know, we talked about, at length about New World Brewery. Um, it moved. Um, Orpheum has since moved out. Um, Crowbar remains. Tom DeGeorge will be on the show later. And it will, it will see its lease with a different landlord, not you, um, expire in less than two years. Do True Blue independent music venues have a place in your vision for eborn? And, and if so, what can you do to make sure that they, that they will have a place um, in the district?
2: I, I definitely think they do. Live, live music, thoughtfully done. Um, I think is really important for the district. It brings people down. Um, So i definitely supportive of that. Um, Rich McIntyre is about to open up a venue at the old Frankie's patio, Um, you know, with with a mix. He's got the attic from downtown coming there. And there's going to be, you know, there's going to be live music there. And I'm I'm really excited about what he's doing and really supportive. So I, I definitely think there's a place for live music in the district.
0: Yeah, I was. I had a good chance to uh, visit um, Rich as he was building that out, and, and they were painting it. I had to go out of town, so I missed Galactic um, there. But I heard it was it was a good show, and it's it's exciting yeah. to see Frankie's Patio kind of come back as as a young adolescent who kind of viewed Frankie's Patio as this wild place where I could do uh, things that I wish I could always have done. Uh, it, it's interesting to see it um come to life and Daryl. i know we don't have you that long i don't know if ben is anymore but i definitely have one more question for you
1: i was wondering Daryl, if you can remember the ybor city that you that you sort of first stepped into at age 22 right what was that i mean what was it like back then it was very very quiet
2: i was living in ybor back back then i actually lived in um actually rock brothers brewery the upstairs Mm -hmm. Uh, i that was an apartment so that's crazy yeah Um, And it was it was very quiet. It was it it was dead most of the time. The Ovo Cafe was around. Cafe Mm -hmm. Creole uh, was around. um, You know, there there were a few clubs. There wasn't Arnold's Art Supply was open. um, So there um, and Brad Cooper then moved his gallery here. So there there was some activity, but generally it was fairly quiet back then. That's
0: fascinating. It's it's funny that yeah. you know you mentioned living upstairs from the attic and how quiet it was. And now I mean that is truly one of the best listening rooms in Tampa. I think sure. and, and a little bit of a pause there. So I, I know you have to go soon. I, I have to ask you something. Um, sure. as, as an Ebor resident, somebody who's who's been at Ebor. Roosters. Are they yes. annoying or are they cool? No, I think they're
2: super cool. <laughs> okay. So you don't
0: mind when when they're crowing and stuff at like four in the morning. No, okay. No, you're no, not, not in not. that
2: camp. It's part, it's part of the urban environment. I think they're great. Okay. Good. Yeah. You've got a garden. You're probably not so happy. You have to do more maintenance. Yes, changing the lawn, keeping the mulch. But
1: um, I think they're great. Should we extend that bird preserve into Gasworks? Is
2: okay, that, okay,
0: that's what we're that's really what I asking hear. for. Is, yeah. is will you extend the bird preserve and protections all the way into that town? <laughs> absolutely,
1: absolutely Here's channel side.
0: Well, Daryl Shaw, mm-hmm. uh, thank, you, thank you for joining us um, here on WMF Tampa on the Skinny. I know you have some stuff you have to get to. I uh, look forward to hopefully walking around Ybor um, sometime and maybe bumping into you um, at awesome. the hotel in the morning sometime again. So thanks for making time for us, Daryl. Appreciate it. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, that was the voice of Daryl Shaw, uh, who has a grand vision for Ybor City, which we're talking about um, today. This is the Skinny on WMF Tampa. Wait, how did the show get going Oh, this, so, so Mitch said he was out and, uh, Ben and I looked at each other and said, let's talk about Ebor. Um, because and. Because we're it's, always thinking about Ebor City. I think Creative Loving's written like 17 articles about how the death of Ebor City. And I felt like another one was on the precipice. So I felt like we wanted to do some on-air reporting and have some people in that. Like, you asked Daryl about the Ebor that, that he remembered, Ben. What is,
1: when did you get here and, and talk about your first, rush with Ybor back in the Tampa Tribune days? I moved here in 2005 and I think one of the very first stories, deep stories that I did for the Tampa Tribune was uh, about Ebor City and I think what had just happened, there had been um, a, a sort of round of violence, which always causes the media to kind of take a hard look at Ybor City, and it, uh, depending on who's doing the looking, it, it comes off different ways. You know, Ybor is a dangerous place, or an edgy place, or a disturbing place, or a fun place, or safe place, so forth, depending on when you're there, when when you're taking a look at it, right? Uh, so, um, uh, and that's the case with uh, you know so many. Uh, District 6th Street in Austin or back in the day, at least, uh, you know, the quarter in New Orleans, uh, many, uh, uh, many party districts like Ybor City. And I guess the question is, like, can the party go on uh, under uh, under this new vision under this sort of new interpretation of Ybor City. Will the party go on? Will the party go on?
0: And, I mean, as, as we should point out, as we get ready with our next guest, we should point out, and, and Daryl kind of alluded to this in, in his kind of recollection of Ybor. There have been generations of businesses that have come and gone in Ybor City. You're thinking about, you know, Three Birds, Blue Chair, Sweet Charity, uh, S- Silver Ring, Castillo's, the Cherokee Club, Um you know, there's Mass Masquerade, of course, Newer Brewery, and La Chapacana even. And so our next guest here is uh, Manny Leto. He's, he's a board member at the Center for Architecture and Design Tampa Bay, which is opening a new headquarters um, in West Tampa next week. And he's currently the executive director of Preserve of the Burg, Um He's not that old, but he's seen Ibor change a bunch uh, with his own eyes and, and studied more of those changes via his work as, as a public historian. Manny Manny Lato, welcome to the show. Thank you for being on WMNF today.
3: Oh, thanks for inviting me.
0: Um, I, I want to ask you about preservation and, and its role and in, in, in whatever is next for Ybor. But right now, I was hoping, Manny, as, as we've been kind of jogging our memory, I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about Ybor's earliest days compared to what it was, both in a, a personal context for you and a historical context, because you, you are a, you know, a well of knowledge as far as the history of the
3: district. Thanks, Ray. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Ybor City is Tampa's historic immigrant neighborhood. You know, it was founded... Uh, by this early generation, this 1880s, 1890s generation of, of essentially Cuban laborers, uh, specifically working in the cigar industry. And, you know, in, in Tampa's early history, um, cigars are what put the city uh, on the map kind of financially, but also uh, from a residential perspective. Standpoint, and so in its in its early years, uh, you know Tampa, as a result of Ybor City, uh, was a, a, a majority minority city. I mean, it mm-hmm. had more Cubans, Spaniards, and Italians living uh, in the city than native Anglo uh, uh, than the native Anglo population. So you have this really uh, uh, different uh, makeup in Ybor City, and Tampa is different be because of it. So I mean, you're talking about a period of time that's you know just a few years after the civil war and you're talking about the american south so you know capital s south and into that flows all of these cubans and uh uh, you know spanish-speaking immigrants and so it gives tampa this this really different look and and of course all of that is or at least most of that is happening in ybor city and ybor city is kind of set apart from uh, the rest of Tampa. It is north and east of kind of the the original downtown core and they really kind of create, uh, you know, what what historians would call a city within a, a city, you know, it was kind of its own separate place. Um, you know, really until the, the 1920s or so, I mean, I would say your sort of average Tampa citizen was probably not meandering down to Ybor City, um, just
1: before the before the automobile, right before the automobile, uh, yeah, 1920s, yeah. that started to change. But there's a geographically there's uh, what two or three miles between downtown Tampa as a core in Ybor City. That,
3: that's right, and it was separated by a historically black community known as the Scrub. Right. and so literally, I mean, there there were these sort of layers of separation, both culturally and geographically, between Ybor City and the and the rest of Tampa.
0: All right, City Hall specifically. Um, You're listening to the voice of Manny Leto there. Uh, We're talking about the the Ybor City and the latest season of change on the skin. Here we welcome some phone calls. If you want to call in, leave a comment, or have a question for anybody, it's 813-239-9663. We have some text messages coming in. If you want to text, uh, it's 813 4330 Eight eight five. Feel free to give us a call. We'll stage you here, and we're going to continue our um, conversation here uh, with Manny. Manny, in, in a short uh, explanation, do you want to talk personally about what Ybor City means
3: to you and, and uh, growing up there, and, and, and what it is uh, for you? Sure. Uh, you know, my my family is is sort of part of that history, although they, they didn't live directly in Ybor City. They lived in another part of Tampa that was similar to Ybor City, called West Tampa, which is sort of like the second cigar city, often forgotten cigar city, but uh, they are definitely of that, that uh, era of Tampa's history for sure. Um, and so there's that, that personal connection and you know, my, a lot of my uh, family has worked in those cigar factories and you know, owned restaurants and, and small businesses in Ybor City and West Tampa, uh, so definitely kind of part of that mix. And then, you know, just personally, uh, you know, my, my older sister, I always tell this story. My older sister, you know, d- did not live here, but every time she came back, uh, the first place she wanted to go was Ewar City. And we're talking about kind of early 90s, late 1980s, and so that's sort of my first uh, you know, kind of non historical touch with Ebor with is kind of going to. I mean, I remember there was a, a Santeria shop on Seventh <laughs> on Avenue that we used to go to, and Blue Chair and Ovo Cafe and all of those kinds of places. And I want to say that's, you know, 1990, uh, 89, somewhere in that vicinity. Okay. Mm.
1: A lot of these districts, Manny, uh, were uh, sort of uh, uh, bu- bulldozed in the 60s during uh, urban renewal, along with uh, black communities. Many of them were black communities. Um, in the case of uh, New Orleans, let's say, it was sort of the white socialites who, the, and women primarily who like, stepped out of the woodwork in the 1920s and realized we need to preserve this historic district. Does Ybor City have uh, folks who have over the years been concerned? About historic preservation, Uh, who looks out for the uh, the infrastructure there and this historically important architecture and so forth?
3: Absolutely. So, just uh, very quickly on urban renewal, you know, urban renewal decimated Ybor City. Uh, So it's important for when people think about um, Ybor today, you are really only looking at a shell. Of what the original neighborhood used to be,
1: how big was it
3: it it extended all the way into sort of your northern boundaries would it be Tampa Heights or Seminole Heights, I and mean, <laughs> that would have all been considered kind of ebor city um and then and then out to the to the east uh you would have had these small kind of uh, uh, small sort of farming and produce operations and certainly all the way over to nebraska Nebraska avenue so <laughs> Ybor City was much larger, but it was cut in half by the interstate and then uh, urban renewal. I don't have the, the numbers on it, but let's just say thousands of uh, families and uh, hundreds of buildings were demolished in that process. So Ybor City kind of was remade. I like to say that we, we live with the legacy of urban renewal much more than we live with a legacy of cigars and cafe con leche i mean
1: and we don't even realize that those of us who have been here for 20 years that's
3: right any any time that you see uh, a parking lot In Ybor City, that was probably someone's house or Mm. someone's business, Mm. Um, you know. And and, uh, uh, Daryl Shaw mentioned park space earlier. You know, one of the reasons why Ybor doesn't really have park space is because it was created as a an urban kind of company town, a a place for work. It was not designed for recreation, and so you don't have a a park space and recreation space. I mean, people were there to work; they were there to make uh, to make cigars. But yeah, I mean, Ybor was. Kind of completely remade in the 1960s. People like uh, Tony Pizzo were probably one of the first individuals to kind of step up and and start a- kind of actively saving uh, structures and, and talking about the history of the community. They formed the Barrio Latino Commission, which was based on the uh, on a similar commission in New Orleans mm. that was saving historic buildings. And it was also, uh, you know, in the 1970s, you have a couple of things happening. Um, One, you have a reaction to the interstate system. So you have and urban renewal. So you have a lot of people saying, Oh, my goodness, like, what, (laughs) like, what have we done? Mm. And so in the wake of all of this destruction, you have a preservation movement that that sort of surfaces. Um, And that's really when you get your sort of your efforts to kind of uh, preserve Ybor City, uh, you know, in the, the I would say, early, you know, 1970s, and the question then becomes, you know, what is Ybor City? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I could go on and on about yeah, this, but we're I, gonna, I think we're yeah. going to
0: talk a little bit about yeah. that, because we're going to talk about Representative Spencer, uh, Spencer Roach and, and a failed um, bill. Matt and Mario, thank you for holding on here. I'm going to read a text message from Rich in Booksville. He says, the problem... That concept of development, increasing the population by three times. The infrastructure is not there. Taxpayers will be on the hook for renovating the streets. All the sewage systems, uh, barring that, the rents will not be affordable. This will be just like the Wynwood District in Miami, which we'll talk about later, uh, which used to be all, all of the design district and fashion, in, fashion industry run by sweatshops. Many decades later, was replaced with art galleries, high-rise condos, and bougie restaurants. Another text message uh, here uh, just let Ebor be Ebor. Don't highlight some rich guy who has a vision to turn into some um, overpriced fake place like almost everywhere else. Ebor is great because it's real and raw, not crafted uh, and whitewashed. Uh, and then, obviously, somebody wants to chime in um, about the Rays. Uh, but let's go to Matt. Let's uh, let's take a question from Matt in St. Pete. Matt, you are on the air. How you doing? Good. Good. Hey, Matt.
4: Uh, I've been. Uh either playing in bands or clubbing uh, in keyboard since the mid 80s. Um, So I understand where he's saying uh, the developer was saying it was quiet at one time because almost right across the street from where uh, Columbia is, there used to be a punk bar called the Generic Club Mm -hmm. and it was one of those ones where not necessarily sketchy, but you were expecting to be in a good mosh pit and stuff, and I've seen how the development of the inter- entertainment industry, because uh, a lot of my friends are the DJs or in bands, and seeing the change, one of the biggest changes, uh, you were speaking with a individual that was involved in um, Creative Loafing, and a big was probably, I think it was around 91, 92, when...
1: Spaghetti Warehouse closed.
4: (laughs) (laughs) No, when when the uh, Creative Loafing did an article about uh, the entertainment and the clubs and stuff in Ybor. And I noticed, because I was going to tracks and masquerade, I mean, hell, I saw... James Addiction play at Masquerade for probably about five or six hundred people, mm. uh, but after that article uh, where they were talking about the the entertainment and stuff going on, it was a massive change on the number of people in the influx coming to Ebor and Seven.
0: Yeah, uh, sorry. So. Yeah, you know, we're going to talk about uh, Masquerade and with, with Tom DeGeorge, who, who is in the studio uh, with us. Matt, thank you for your call. Um, let's go to uh, Tom. I, I'm excited to talk about that with Tom, but let me get one more call in here, uh, just clear the uh, the line here. Mario from Tampa, you're here with some Ebor comments.
5: Yeah, no, it's <clears throat> great great guest this morning, starting the show with Daryl Shaw, and of course the great Manny Lato now and Tom DeGeorge to follow. I just wanted to mostly thank Manny, for the work that he's been doing, you know, following in, in Tony Pizzo. He mentioned him earlier, his footsteps. I think we need to keep telling the story of Ybor City, the original Ybor City. Manny used to simply put it all together for somebody who might just be listening for the first time and getting some cursory yeah. information on what is an Ybor City. But in, no question or a comment. Thanks for this show today, especially. Thanks, Manny, for the work you're doing. And keep up the good work, Ray, Ben. And thanks. Mitch, wherever you are. If I had Appreciate a reggaeton horn,
1: I would fire it off right now.
0: It <laughs> sounds good.
5: Baby. It sounds good. You know,
1: all right, thanks, Mario. <laughs> you know, uh you know, Ray, uh I don't know if you watched Succession, but a few weeks ago in Succession, uh the 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 Roy family started pitching this uh uh, development. It was uh, bringing the cruise ships to land. Uh, it was retirement uh, centric, and the idea that the 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 beautiful uh, tagline on the on the advertising and so forth for this development was minimize surprise, maximize satisfaction. And I thought <laughs> that's sort of um, sort of what. Uh, a lot of people have been trying to do to Ebor for a long time: minimize the surprise in order to maximize the satisfaction. I don't think those two things necessarily go right, hand right. in hand, do they? But it is. A- I think part of the beauty of Ebor City is being surprised by something, by mm. sitting next to a stranger who just strikes up a conversation with you, and it turns out they've written ten thousand pages of a book they've been working on for seventy-two years, or whatever. Um, uh, you know, bumping into uh, a, a family of roosters crossing the—chickens crossing the, the roads. So there's just always something unexpected in Ybor City, and that doesn't happen in, in, you know, a lot of places in Tampa.
0: No, for sure. And that, and that leads us to the next thing I want to ask, ask Manny about. We, I want to talk about preservation because Manny is an advocate for that. He knows so much about that. And through his work with, exec, uh, with uh, Preserve the burg, he's on the ugly—not ugly, but just boring— like boardroom meeting side of that, I want to talk about HB 1317, SB 1346, would have allowed property owners and developers to more or less bypass local regulations, let the historic buildings (coughs) fall into disrepair in these coastal communities within a certain mile of the coastline, um, leading them perhaps to demolish those older buildings and then redevelop them. So, on top of that, the laws would have prohibited local officials from blocking uh, the demolition of buildings designated as unsafe um, if they were within those coastal construction control lines. And, um, or if they didn't meet federal standards uh, as far as flood resistance, materials, things like that. That bill died um, in the House. Uh, it did pass the Senate. Um, its sponsor, Spencer Roach, a North Myers Republican, vowed to bring it back. Uh, Manny, had the bills passed, uh, what do you think it would have meant for Ybor City? I mean, this is kind of speculative, but can you talk a little
3: bit about that? Yeah, so, I mean, I I think that was a good summation, uh, Ray, um, but just to kind of break down some of the wonkiness of it, basically it was a – the bill was designed to um, usurp kind of local control of historic preservation uh, regulations. And what more, it's, more
0: preemption as we said from yeah, the Yeah, what
3: it, what it basically said was if you are uh, within one half mile of the coast and uh, if you are in a certain flood zone, then – Uh, if you own a structure, a commercial building, that building could be demolished um, whether or not it was in a historic district. um, And it could be, not only could it be demolished, but then when it was replaced, you wouldn't have had to have complied with any of the local provisions uh, regarding historic preservation to replace that building. So what that means is uh, both for St. Petersburg and for uh, for Tampa, you know, coastal communities, basically it means that if you have historic properties within kind of that designation, those buildings can be knocked down and replaced literally with anything. With, and the local authorities, uh, local kind of government agencies wouldn't ha- be, have any sort of say in, in, in that process. So in Ybor City, what that means is huge swaths of the south end of Ybor City, so everything kind of south of, like, 6th Avenue uh, in between 18th Street or so, kind of 15th Street and, say, 15th Street and 4th Avenue, like – you just knock knock all that stuff down, and then you wouldn't have to abide by any of the uh, guidelines of, of, uh, of the barrio or, of the barrio yeah, yeah. latino or any of that, and, and replace those structures in St. Petersburg areas like Coquina Key uh, were also affected. Uh, shore Acres, um, you know, it, uh, uh, a very sort of dangerous. Uh, bill a dangerous precedent and would have uh, especially affected uh, the Art Deco district in uh, down in Miami. So uh, this was a kind of a, a an alarm for a lot of the preservation community across the state. Uh, the Florida Trust for Historic Preservation uh, got involved. The Miami uh, Design League got involved. Uh, it was a huge push. Push. Uh, we're very thankful that, you know, it ended up dying in the house, but, uh, you know, the bill's sponsor has vowed uh, to bring it back. And um, and so I think that kind of the, the moral of that story is you have to really be vigilant When you're talking about historic preservation in your historic neighborhoods, because you never know when something is kind of right around the corner that's going to undo decades of of efforts to save these these really special places, both, you know, again, in St. Pete, in Tampa and, and across the state. Sure, yeah, and that legislation kind of snuck in with, with all the
0: culture wars. Um, we have a, call, a comment from Manny here. You're listening to Manny Leto. He's talking about the latest change in Ebor. He's a public historian, current uh, executive director of Preserve the Berg. Dana, we're going to bring you on here with a comment from Manny. Dana, are you there?
5: Hi, good afternoon, everyone. Hey. How are you?
0: Hey, thank Hi.
5: you. Going. Good. Uh, Manny, you're the best. Um, I know you going back years. Uh, thanks for everything that you do. We really appreciate it.
1: Did you set all this up, Manny? Yeah, who are these people, Manny? I've I've
3: lined up a really good uh, collection of callers.
5: So, um, quick question. I think that a lot of people, you know, myself included, don't really know how to properly make that transition from the more irresponsible type of urban renewal to a more community-focused or historically sensitive rejuvenation and how to go about that and how to work with The developers better to make sure that that's happening and and paying attention to that in our communities.
1: You mean as a citizen, like what? How can citizens better?
0: Uh... Yeah, I think maybe, um, Dana, you're kind of talking about this thing, sense of place, and, and and this mix of architecture and buildings that represent different areas And like maybe you're asking, you know, what can citizens do? We do. Uh, what can Ebor do? And what can Ebor learn from the past um, as far as preserving those different layers? Is, is that kind of what you're talking about?
5: Yeah, absolutely. But then also, like, understanding the true difference between, um, like, er, like true urban renewal that's damaging to the historic buildings and, you know, moving into a better system where it's more community-focused, like rejuvenation that actually supports the community goals.
3: Okay. Thanks, Dana. Manny? Sure. Well, one thing I would recommend from a citizen perspective is, you know, you, you have to— to be vigilant and you have to kind of get involved with your local processes. So that is attending your uh, community p- preservation meetings in Tampa. That's the Architectural Re- Review Commission and in, in St. Pete. It's the uh, uh, CPPC, the Community Planning and Preservation Commission meetings. I mean, a lot of acronyms, a lot of, uh, you know, frankly, a lot of, of boring meetings. It is getting involved with preserve the Berg, it's getting involved with the Florida Trust, and and really just remaining vigilant. I mean, there is so much that happens really at the level of kind of very wonky land use, uh, uh, land development regulations. I mean, that's really where all this stuff happens. And frankly, most people cannot... Uh, they don't have the time uh, to attend a, a commission meeting that's happening at Tuesday uh, uh, at one o'clock in the afternoon. Um, so that's where organizations like Preserve the Berg um, fill that gap because that's that's what I do. Uh, I, I attend those meetings and, um, and we, we try to uh, keep an eye on, on what's happening. Um, and then, you know, I... I, I also, you know, just participating in your kind of your local neighborhood associations, your community groups, and just ca- trying to kind of stay abreast of, of you know, w- what's happening. Because ultimately, once these once these places are redeveloped and built, then we are essentially—I mean, that is your built environment, right? I mean, that that forms your community for probably the next fifty years, and so uh, you know, you could make an argument. I mean, we. Again, we all have sort of a say, even if we, we didn't build that building, but the community has a say in what they, what they want and what they want to see, uh, within that community, um. Right. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of a lot of vigilance, uh, really, and getting involved with your local community. And on vigilance, uh, Manny is, is
0: going to the meeting. We're going to bring in Tom DeGeorge here to close out our, our show. Um, if you're just tuning in, this is The Skinny on WMNF Tampa. We air every Friday from 11 to noon. We're talking about this latest season of Change in Ebor. Thanks for all the calls. If you want to call in, 813-239-9663. Let our call screener know what you want to talk about. We've had some great calls. Uh, we're also taking text messages at 813 813- Four three three zero eight eight five. 885. thank you so much uh, for joining us today.
3: Thanks, Ray. And Thanks, uh,
0: man. our last guest today is, is Tom DeGeorge, who um, in 2001 arrived in Ybor City uh, to make a change uh, in the district and run Masquerade, really as, as part of a golden era, if you will, of nightclub activity um, in Ybor. And, and just in full disclosure here, Tom, you hired me in 03 or 04. You were my second ever boss. Um, some of my greatest memories were inside Masquerade, which is now the Ritz, now that building, the second iteration of Masquerade, um, on the clock, uh, working for you. So just want to be full about my relationship with, with Tom here. Um, you lived above Masquerade until it closed in 06. Um, another, I helped you move your wife, your teacher at a nearby school, um, <laughs> into your, your home in Ybor City. And, and you shortly opened Crowbar after that. Um, I don't think a lot of people would argue you have built it into a legendary venue where there have been equally great times um, had there. You have a great anniversary with Old Dirty Sundays this weekend. Just an amazing thing. Thanks um, for the plug. Of mm-hmm. course. No, it's, it's great. Uh, Cosmo Baker, guys. Sammy, who's going to be out there. But um, during the pandemic, Tom, you took on this leadership role with uh, the National Independent Venue Association, NEVA, Eventually, successfully, together, you and your Neva colleagues lobbied for $15 billion from the federal government. $17 billion. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I stand corrected. It was $17 billion as part of this huge rescue package for the live entertainment industry. Some of the promoters and stuff I talked to you are just finally getting to the end of their Save Our Stages money. And they've been able to, to stay alive. Um, Masquerade, it was kind of like this last bastion for the pre-Centro Ibor uh, City days, Tom. And, what do you mean by that, pre-Centro Ebor City days? Well, Centro Ebor <laughs> I don't know if anybody listens to david Dondero here but i I, I don't mean to sound disparaging or anything but i'm just going to say how i feel it in my mind right now it's more or less a little shopping mall in there and and i think it was maybe a little bit blighted there in the center maybe the foresight wasn't there on 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 centro and 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 now there's a co-working space because the movie theater didn't work out you know Mm. thankfully tampa bay brewing company has been able to kind of keep that thing going restaurants have, have have come and gone so i mean i would call it a shopping mall Restaurants? Anybody disagree with me in a major way there?
3: It was an urban it, mall concept that was very, very common, concept, yeah. very common, and usually would fail. Yeah, mm. I, I know we're going to have time, but I would go out with South of the South by David
0: Dondero um, <laughs> if I could. So, but but Tom, your lease at Crowbar, your venue is up in two thousand twenty six, correct? Correct. And and you're going for broke here with no plans to renew, at least publicly. Um, where is your mind today as you look not just at the end of the road for crowbars lease, but a wave of change? You know, more serious than than others in Ybor City.
6: Well, you know, it, what's happening in Ybor City isn't that different than what's happening in a lot of different communities around the country. Um, you know, we were successful in getting that largest arts bill passed, um, and that money went to for-profit and non-profit entities. Um, I think the problem we're seeing is that, you know, indie rooms and DIY rooms like Crowbar that I believe are essential to any community and essential for budding artists to be able to travel around the country, you know, because of um, development, corporatization, local and state politics, you know, we're myself and a lot of the colleagues that I have around the country and different venue owners that I talk to around the country, you know, right now I'm currently the Southeast president for NEVA. And so I talk to venues all over Florida. I talk to venues in North Carolina, South Carolina, in Georgia. And what we're seeing is, you know, while that money was a conduit to try to get everybody through it, a lot of the mom and pops and small venues that are in the range of my room are a little bit smaller. And even up until over the thousand person range are still not being able to make ends meet because um, once again, either either through develop it, development, things got more expensive or noise ordinances are, are a challenging thing to deal with, or no more free parking is a challenging thing to deal with. So When we think of the Save Our Stages, sometimes I tell people I feel like we are partially successful. Um, And if you look at Ybor City, you can clearly see that the rooms that were there at the beginning of the pandemic, um, which at the beginning of the pandemic, one of the things I would say in um, different interviews was, if we don't get help for these small businesses, um, Ybor City will not look the same now as it will at the end of at the end of the pandemic and while the development was starting prior to that i think if you look at everything that occurred through it and local and state politics and and things like that it, it was very clear that rooms like mine were put in a horrible disadvantage of 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 weakening and 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 how we could possibly get through this. So, when we came out of it, as the cost of everything's gone up and all these other things have happened, it, it just makes it very difficult to uh, be able to continue and be profitable.
0: You listen to the voice of Tom DeGeorge. He's the co owner and founder of Crowbar, a live music, independent live music club um, in Ybor City. Uh, we have a text message here. Why does one man get to decide what happens with Ybor? What investors are doing to our neighborhood residential and commercial is troubling at best. Thank you. I mean, and I will say Daryl does own a large portion of, of the land, but there have been a lot of people who own, have owned a lot of, of land um, in Ebor over the years. You know, thinking of the Shivers, thinking of of uh, Capitano, uh, Kahana, th- those types of names and and, and, and people who, who have um, been involved with ebor over the I, years.
6: I think at least in the 22 years I've been here, and I've seen Ebor have some ups and downs while I've been here, I think that what makes this different is that those owners, there was a symbiotic relationship with the businesses that came in. And there wasn't really a guardian of that. Um, The the businesses came in. Everybody kind of had a fair shake. um, And I think when Ebor thrived at its best, um, there was a large swath of different types of businesses there, different personalities, um, different cultures. Um, in, in my concern, anytime you see development or you see one article said there, that Daryl Shaw is winning at Ebor Monopoly, um, any time you see something like that, I think that having a large swath of the arts and having all arts represented and having... Um, all artists have a fair shake, that's just not going to be the case anymore. So when when Ben was talking about all the weirdness and the different things you see... The I surprises. Would, the, the surprises. Uh, it, once you get into a extremely sterile environment, like when Daryl said, you know, we want to see live music, I, I can't remember the exact word. How Tastefully he, done or tastefully something like done.
0: that. done. I, I don't know the
6: exact um, word. To me, as long as a Dropkick Murphy show is executed properly, it's tastefully done. As long as a hip hop show with Mob Deep is executed properly, it's tastefully done. As long as Old Dirty Sundays for 12 years on a Sunday brings in community of all shapes, sizes, colors, it's tastefully done. Um, so, once again, my biggest concerns is aside from the development, state politics, things that that suffocate the creativity based on um, how much money you have, what you can afford, if you're getting picked, if you're not getting picked, if you can even say what you are because you know we have laws that are outlawing enter drag queens, sure. which I think are great entertainers and I think the gay community in ebor, was a beautiful thing, you know, and very helpful to, to a wide array of entertainment. You and I was that's all going to go away. Is Ebor less gay now? Is that a fair question?
0: I mean,
1: I, I don't think are so. Are we allowed I, to talk about I, 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 again, sure. again, I mean, I'm just, I mean, as
0: like last week, I'm are just there, a Are,
1: just are there white. fewer gay clubs than there were 10 years ago in Ybor? Oh, yeah. Yes, sure, I would agree right now, with that. For
6: sure. And and I mean, if you look once again, I I'm just look at MC film in my whole district. Like I said, yeah. if we're talking about the future of Ebor, it's more than just Daryl Shaw and the development. Like I said, it's about state and local policy. Right. You know, so when you look at the possibility of the Pride Parade going away, because, and they are going away. Certain places are saying, we're not going to do that Pride event. And that's going away. To me, that was the best parade, the best parade that that we have every year and and it's, to be clear Tampa pride fumes, will
0: be back in Ybor, but some pride parades around the state have changed have, their tune have
6: changed their and you know i think it's something in florida that you know that we have to be concerned about and going back to to vigilancy the the problem is it's getting harder and harder to be vigilant because there's an um like jada pinkett smith said there's an entanglement You know, there's a lot of people that are on the same page that have been extremely calculated over the last 10 or so years. And it's all coming to fruition right now, you know, and uh, and I do. I think we need continued vigilance. I think people need to be very vocal because if we put too much trust um, in the Uber elites, what we're going to have is a district that that's not for everyone anymore. And I think that'd be really sad considering the history of Ybor City. Everybody, Everyone should be welcome to Ebor City.
0: Yeah, so, um, good points. And, and I want to talk about this 2026 timeline for you, Tom. Uh, that'll be 20 years for you at Crowbar. You've had uh, a good relationship with your landlord. Great relationship. Uh, you, you are, I don't think you'd argue with me in saying that you are laser focused on, on getting to that last day. Um, and I think I know what you're going to say when I ask you this, but what does it look like after that for you? You have a home in Ebor. um would you be open to renewing your lease after that? If 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 your club could stay, if you not, would you stay in Ebor? Like, what are your thoughts here?
6: here? Here's here's the way I'm looking at this right now, and this is the, the honest god truth. Um, I don't know if I'll make it to 2026. So when mm-hmm. I say 2026 or bust, the way I looked at it was with everything that was in front of me, I looked at it and after several meetings with my landlord and the possibility of what happens when the lease expires and, and, you know, well, a lot of it because of development was, you know, we got to kind of wait and see. We want to see if we can, you know, fit the blueprint of these things. And and I have to look at it. I go, you know what, right now I'm working harder than I ever have before. Um, I'm, I'm, not netting nearly as much as I ever did in the past. You know, I was I was fairly successful before the pandemic and coming out of it, uh, it it's just completely suffocating. So um, as the, the parking increases and the, the noise ordinance pressures and the, the change in the area, all these things happen. For me, I was like, if I don't go public about this and say this is the end, what I do is I, I fizzle out and I don't, you know, by getting that word out, what's happening is all the promoters, all the agents, all the bands that have played that that legendary venue over the last 17 years are now calling and saying, we have to make sure we play one last time. It's a strategic mm-hmm. move that's going to help me get Kenny Chesneys and people like that, that that have come because they know... It's not going to be forever.
0: And you're yeah. alluding to a surprise show that Kenny Chesney did. So yeah. Kenny Chesney played the stadium some months ago. I think it was last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, their opener came in to play, to headline your show. And then Kenny Chesney, I mean, arguably the biggest male country star in the world, um, played your bar. He played my bar. And, and
6: I think, you know, a lot of that was all the press from the Save Our Stages. But I, like I said, going forward, I think by putting a finality on it, it's going to... Allow me to actually survive. If if I try to do it any other way, I don't think I make it. You know. So, and and the other thing is, and this is just blunt reality, that district is going to change. And a room like mine, and I think personally, that's that's the hardest thing for me. You know, I I am pro nonprofit. Mm-hmm. I'm pro artist. Mm-hmm. I'm also pro. Small businesses, pro mom and pops, uh, p- poor, pro, p- poor, and middle class. And for me, I just know even if I could properly renew that lease in 2026, uh-huh. everything around me, I will go from being a central part of that community to my business sticking out like a sore thumb mm. where that does not belong there. And I, Sweet. and I have no desire to, um, I'll be fifty two at that point. I have no desire to relocate Crowbar in another area. I, you know, I think that it has to finish there on its twenty year anniversary.
1: Um, we're talking about geography. Is there room to like to grow this part of the city, this part of the life of the culture of ebor? Is there room for this to sort of be transplanted to the east or to like, palmetto beach or you know what i mean there well, are there are a lot of empty buildings just waiting for right until, rooms we, like do, yours until so, yeah. we
6: break our backs building those areas up and right. then a developer comes in because we make it attractive so <laughs> once again the way the way Cycle of it, life history gets forced to repeat itself if we don't get a change in laws or a change in cultural designations for room like mine that you know, we were included in the arts when we got the largest arts bill passed, but unfortunately, as we are suffering now, um, we don't get the same kind of grants and frequent opportunities for 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 repairs and growths like the Tampa Theater does. So these nonprofits, they get these frequent opportunities where places like mine, literally, we just, we work until the wheels fall off and then we get generally forced out of sure. our areas.
0: And I didn't know if Manny had a question or comment.
3: Well, I I wanted to agree with Tom that, you know, it is a challenge because a lot of times live performing performance, like especially live music, sometimes does not get included when we talk about, quote unquote, the arts. But that is where, you know, a lot of artists work, right? I mean, that's where they, that's what they're doing. I will say, you know, I'm very pleased to see uh, like all the artists in the crest building, I know that uh, there's a plan, uh, Ben, you had mentioned kind of going south of 7th Avenue, and my my feeling there is that you, you will see uh, artist studios and artist spaces in those kind of uh, warehouses south of 7th, but to speak to Tom's point, I mean, I think that that is, it's not unique to Tampa or to Ybor City, right? It's this sort of evolution. The artists kind of come in. They start the this district, and then it it kind of changes. And certainly in Ybor City, that was the case when you had artists that came in in the 1970s. You know, and I'm talking about you know uh, folks like uh, Bud Lee, who was a Time Life mm. photographer, mm-hmm. uh, uh, James Rosenquist, and other sort of big artists that were there in the late 1970s, 1980s. You know, then it kind of changed to something to something else you know I read an interview you know you talk to these artists from the 70s and 80s and they were having parades down the middle of 7th Avenue I mean I read an article about one artist who had an entire cigar factory all to themselves and as far as I'm concerned you know I had a a band that was rehearsing in an old cigar factory you know 15 years ago so it Guava it, it weed change, was it, owned
6: by the artists until the Ybor Chamber oh of yeah. ruined it. So, you
0: so, know. Well, thank you, guys. You've been listening to the voice of Tom DeGeorge, uh, owner of Crow Barn, Ybor City. Manny Leto, executive director of Preserve the Berg. Previously, Daryl Shaw joining us. Thanks so much for all your calls. I'm sorry we couldn't get to, to all of them here. Skip. Uh, we'll be back next week. Thank you, Skip, for running the board. Can we get Appreciate outro music? I think somebody should hear yeah. South of the Skip's South here. The
1: man. Hey, listen, Viva La Ibor,
0: right? Viva oh, La Ibor, I think yeah. we should say. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if Skip's going to have South of the South for us. We'll be back <laughs> next week. Um, there it is. Hey. This is David Dondero. It's a great song. Thanks for tuning in the to The Skinny. Thanks um, for listening to The Skinny, yeah. 88.5. Hi ben, thank you guys so much for a great show. Good work, Ray. Cheers.
2: Tender chicken in the Florida rotisserie. My own sweat's basting me, thunderstorms are chasing me. I bit into a lightning bolt, my own tongue began to smoke. I woke up with an empty mouth. Watch the watch tick backwards. South of the South. CSX vibrates the tracks Mighty Roar It shakes the shacks Purple skies and orange moons Plants are confident